I'm Stephen Adams. This is down to Doug. I'm I'm miffed and peeved. That's not the words. What do I say? Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm about to dunk. I'm not miffed and peeved. Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm down to dunk. I'm Stephen Adams. I'm not miffed and peeved. I am down to dunk. Yo, this PG and I'm down to dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We are part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, Kelly Barrow. Kelly, what's up? It's the second outdoor podcast in a row. Uh, no more bells, hopefully. Oh, no. Uh, I wish we had a return of the bells. We can have birds, though, probably. <laughs> I do hear birds as you say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, so the, the Thunder lost last night to the Wizards in Oklahoma City. The first time the Wizards have ever won in Oklahoma City was last night, and it was terrible. They beat the Thunder one sixteen to ninety eight. Uh, Russell Westbrook did have a triple double: twenty two points, thirteen assists, fifteen rebounds. He had eight turnovers. I thought this team was. It was the first time this season that I felt like the Thunder did not show up in the effort department, except for maybe Terrence Ferguson was really the only only guy. Everybody else I felt was a step slow or way too careless. You know, they had fourteen turnovers, which isn't a ton, but it just felt like every single I can remember almost every single one. And then the other, I think the biggest stats are that they turned over fourteen times. The Wizards only turned it over nine, and then the Wizards shot 101 shots to the Thunder's 88. And I feel like that encapsulates the game. Yeah, I mean, um, again, I saw just part uh, of the game, so I can speak for um, basically the second half where um, Washington made the big run um, that separated the two teams. I felt like um, Russ had some to do with it. Uh, um, He had like a three or four bad possessions in a row, a bad shot, uh, a bad turnover, then a forced pass to a shooter that wasn't able to hit. And and it was basically, um, I would say, it's 7-0 run from, for, for the Wizards that after that small run, uh, basically had either a three-point shot or an offensive rebound in every other possession uh, for like 10 minutes in a row. Mm-hmm. So it was almost uh, like they controlled completely the board uh, in that part of the game. And it was crucial. And Steven wasn't able to control them. Uh, it, it is always a, a team effort, so no one uh, really cared about boxing out. And then, as you said, I mean, Terrence was probably the only one putting some effort on the defensive end, there was a possession late in the game where uh, Satoransky blew past Russell Westbrook with ease, uh, oh, with his strong yeah. hand. No resistance. So, yeah. No, I mean, uh, you can like it was it was like uh, a straight line drive. Like, how can you make that happen? Uh, you you can when you're not engaged defensively, and I think that was the the main problem tonight. And, and as you said, I mean, they they ju- they just didn't show up. It happens. Um, I felt like 
this could have been like uh, a great win to go 4-0 in that mm. uh, little stretch um, after the loss in Dallas. And it could have been important because you, you should capitalize when you have a great game and not say, well, I want important now. I have the Wizards so I can chill. Yeah. No. I yeah. Mean, there's, team, if you want to win the Western Conference, you win games like this. Yeah. Like if you want, if that's what you want to do in the regular season, that's you. You beat the Wizards at home, like you just do, and they they still have a little bit of this. Re, re, they relax a little bit after the first five minutes of the game. You could tell on the court that the Thunder wore a, definitely a class above this Wizards team, and I felt like they let down. And I don't know. Nick Gallo thought that they were tired. I don't. I don't know if they were. They they wouldn't admit to as much in the locker room after the game. They just said these kind of games happen. But they def something happened after the first five minutes of the game. The defense, the defensive intensity stopped. There was there's really no offensive flow to begin the game. They were just playing such good defense that it didn't really matter. Uh, but I think they turned the ball over enough, and there wasn't there weren't they weren't generating any good shots. It was one of those nights, maybe one of the first nights this season, where you say, "Man, they just took a ton of really terrible shots," and they did not. And we're usually saying, "Man, they they got a lot of great shots; they just couldn't make them." But that was not the case last night. Last night they took a ton of terrible shots. the The offensive flow was about zero. And the bench was horrid. Yeah, that that was a big part of the game. I mean, against teams like the Wizards, sometimes, or against bad teams, sometimes, uh, as Paul George said, it's the Wizards. Yeah. Uh, starters are inclined to take those nights off. It happens to every team, mm-hmm. even great teams. Sometimes during your season, it happens. And your second unit should be there to give a spark. And tonight, Schroeder was probably the worst uh, of his entire season or one of his worst games, I, I felt like, yeah. at least in the, in the span that I watched, because he was unable to build any kind of offense. And it has been the case with Schroeder since Sabrina's uh, went down. Yeah, that's I, true. I don't know if there is any correlation between these two facts, but it seems like um, when he, when Obrinus went off, um, Schroeder lost a partner in terms of um, finding him off screens and finding him in spots. Obrinus is a is a good guy in terms of uh, is a good player in terms of movement, in terms of relocating while. Um, keep the defense honest and I felt like that's, that component is not there with Nader who had like good games uh, very good games uh, but not on that level and so yeah um, I don't know if it's the case or not or if just a bad stretch for, for a shooter but I noticed that uh, mm-hmm. and it seems that since uh, and it seems that Dennis is taking more uh, shots for for himself with less space because without Abrinus the space is not as as good as before and so I wonder what happens when when and if Abrinus uh, is going to be back with this team yeah yeah that's something I mean we asked Billy before the game and he just 
so that he's out for personal reasons and he wouldn't go any further. Which is it's strange. It's kind of scary to be honest to have someone out for personal reasons for this length of time and nobody knows anything. Uh, you can speculate all you want, but I think that everybody just out of respect for him don't. <laughs> you know. Uh, but I mean, looking at the box score and watching, I mean, Schroeder was every bit of the minus 32 that he was last mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. I mean, def- on defense, he was bad. Offense, we talked about it. He's basically the only thing he generated was that wide open uh, mid-range shot that he missed. I think he missed all of them. Uh, he just wasn't good last night, and that hurts. And another thing that I I thought really hurt this team, and I thought was just really kind of stupid, is that Stephen Adams shot the ball six times, and they yeah, just, yeah, and they weren't that is finding him. He was five of six last night. He was killing Thomas Bryant in the first quarter. It looked like Adams would be on his way to a twenty point game. And the Thunder would roll, uh, and they usually go away. F- they they go to him early, and they usually go away from him as time goes on. But they went away from him fast and yeah. got selfish, and it was just a it was a weird, weird game for for Stephen Adams. And he was he was in and out of the locker room quick. Actually, didn't even see him. He, by the time that Billy got done talking, Steve was already gone. I don't know if he was upset. If I'm him, I'm upset. Because if, if I go five of six from the floor, I have Paul George took more shots. That's normal. Jeremy Grant took more shots. That's Jeremy Grant was actually pretty good last night shooting the ball, too. Yeah. He was two of two from three. Westbrook took 23 shots. That's way too many. Uh, and then you have guys like Noel took four, Patterson four, Nader seven, Schroeder ten. It's like, come on, guys. Like Steven Adams is clearly the third best player and probably the third best offensive player on the team. And mm-hmm. he needs to have the ball. You need to give him the basketball. I think that that was a complete failure on the part of the Thunder. Uh, I want you to talk for just a second. And I'm going to run and let my dog in the house because she's barking and she can wake up my family. But I, I, I just want you to talk about that. I'll be right back. Yeah. I feel like uh, this is an issue of this team. Steven Adams, as you said, is too good to be left out of uh, the, say, to be left under 10 shots per game, I feel like. And and to be honest with you, um, in the second half, everything was scrambling. Like, there was no uh, organized offense, except for a few shots that Russell Westbrook generated for others, but mainly for Schroeder. And I kind of don't like uh, that to happen. I mean, I don't think that lineups with Schroeder and Noel are very good lineups because the only options uh, for us are realistically a Schroeder and Dennis Schroeder because there is no space. Like, for some reason, Russ doesn't like to, to, to play the pick and roll with Noel. And so... I don't know that those kind of lineups are really successful for OKC. I have to go back and, and look at the numbers um, because I don't know from the top of my head if uh, those are really good. My eye test says that the lineups with Steven and Schroeder Westbrook are working. And if I were Billy, I would love to give them uh, a little bit more time. 
Um, because in this way, Rust has Steven as a pick and roll partner, um, shooter that can generate other kinds of shots, and then the usual um, pass to open trees. So, yeah, I felt like Adams was uh, nowhere to be uh, seen in the second half, which is bad. But also I found like, and I want your opinion on this because I, I haven't seen the entire game, so I wonder, like, I felt like Paul George was a little bit passive tonight in terms of uh, going at the rim and generating good shots and blah, blah, blah. And he took not very many shots for his standards or or at least for the standard that he had over the past few weeks. Yeah, there's something up with Paul last night. and I don't know what it was. He asked to be benched in the first quarter because he was winded and he didn't oh, wow. touch the ball in the fourth quarter really at all. When they were trying to make that run, uh, he was not really a part of it. It was weird. I don't know. It was a weird Paul night. I don't know if this is just like a one-off thing or if there's something going on with him. He seemed to be favoring one knee last night. but I, And he said he was okay after the game. He said it was just... He, was the, he said it was the knee that, people, that he kept getting hit this season. And so I don't know if it was just frustration on his part. I don't know if there's something going on, but he said, I think he's tired. I think that he is tired. Mm. I think that he's he's had a, a large stretch of games here where he's played a lot of minutes. Uh, he's had a pretty large workload. I think that he's tired. That would be my guess. Uh, and hopefully he gets some rest over the next couple of days. They get another home game, which is nice. They've been on the road a lot. and I, I, th- mm-hmm. I think that that caught up with them. I think that's a part of the story last night is that the road caught up with them a little bit. And like he said, oh, we do have bells. Oh, you do have, yeah, but it, those are far far away. So they are. I, hopefully it's not so bad. <laughs> um, and with Okay, and so I, I got the number here with Schroeder, Westbrook, and Adams on the court. Thunder are a plus 14.9 in 638 yeah. possessions. Yeah, and if you sub Noel in for Adams to make myself stupid uh, in front of everybody, everybody. I would guess there's not that many possessions with these three. Mm. Oh, yeah, 127 possessions, a plus one. Yeah, I mean, it's still good. I, I, I thought it was worse than that, but then there are games like the one important where that combo actually worked out pretty well, nicely. So, so here's here's a little bit more of that. I think this was probably just one game. Mm-hmm. Um, Westbrook, Schroeder, Diallo, Patterson, Noel are plus 7.9 in mm-hmm. 23 possessions. Yeah, maybe that is the portal. And then right there. Westbrook, Schroeder, Paul George, Grant, Noel are a minus 11.4. So basically, Merlin's <laughs> And Schroeder subbed in for Adams and Ferguson and were, re- were really bad. But it was mm-hmm. it, it's not a lot of possessions, though. And then everything no, else no, is just like right. these little one-off lineups. I mean, it's 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 too small of a sample, really, to even yeah. give it yeah. credence to anything. So I don't know. The, the eye test on that uh, doesn't give me good vibes for that unit. But you're right. Uh, maybe it's just a playing time issue. Um I wonder why, and, and and again, it may be that there is no reliable options um, for 
as a Paul George replacement right now. But I always thought, I mean, you have the first unit with Schroeder mm-hmm. um, playing particularly well. Why don't you roll with that instead of subbing um, Ferguson for Schroeder? Do yeah. it in the fourth, but give like a good chunk, like two, three, four minutes uh, of that unit um, so that Russ can play um, just by himself. And you know that Russ led units are one way or another successful most of the time. Uh, So it's, I don't know. uh, And and on the top of that, this is just one bad loss, Mm -hmm. which probably doesn't mean anything on the grand scheme of things. And picking apart this is um, probably not that useful, especially after a great win like the one that they had in Portland. And if if I have to, like, like if I return the fans, um, you ask them like, is it okay to go three one if you play the Lakers and Portland on the road and Dallas and and Washington at home? They would say yes, mm-hmm. and you did that. So I know that the way they they generate that at three one is not fantastic, and but but they had like a good week. I, yeah. I felt like. Yeah, I agree. I think the reason that they're subbing back to the Schroeder and Westbrook thing, I think they want to get as much time with those two together because they know that they need them to play well to win, to maximize this team. They have to find ways for the Westbrook-Schroeder lineups to work because Schroeder is one of the best five players on the team. He hasn't been playing like it the last probably two or three weeks, but he is. Like he's one of the guys that they're going to close games with come playoff time, and they need them to play well. Uh, but uh, to your point, as Billy would say, the Schroeder, <laughs> Ferguson, Paul George, Grant Adams lineup is a plus 26.6 in 237 yeah. possessions, which isn't a ton, but still it's enough to say that worked. <laughs> in the time yeah. that they played yeah. together, it really worked. Yeah, that's that, that was mainly the point. I know that you need to give them minutes, but it's just uh, give them more at the end of quarters, at the end of the fourth. Like you can find ways to find space for that for that unit and to give um, Russ and Schroeder some minutes together. Just mm-hmm. flip flop the two. I mean, you, you you sub Russ first, and then you sub you sub Russ in after say four minutes. And you let them close. It's it's harder. I know there are like uh, things here and there to be to be fixed. But I think that you, if you want to find minutes for both uh, Russ and Schroeder and for that lineup, you can. We just have to to think a bit a bit harder on how. But I don't think it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that is also impossible to beat is Andy's frozen custard. Oh yeah, uh, you got to go to Andy's today. There's locations in OKC, Tulsa. I hit, the, I hit up the one in Tulsa a couple weeks ago. It's obviously great. They make their uh, custard fresh hour by hour. They have chocolate and vanilla. You can mix it with all sorts of things. Right now, you can go get the candy cane concrete. Uh, it's so good. You can also go get the apple pie concrete still, which they take an actual piece of pie, slice it up, put it in a cup, mix it with vanilla frozen custard, and it's just unbelievable. Uh, You can go to locations also all throughout the South, Arkansas, uh, Florida, 
they're just all over. So if you're in any of those locations, please support the people that support Down to Dunk and go eat at Andy's Frozen Custard. Something great happened, McKelly, that we haven't had a chance to talk about on our show is that the Thunder beat the Portland Trailblazers in Portland. And so it's funny. Oh, I thought I thought you were talking about tips being fired. No, that's not that, that's not the good news. <laughs> that was something okay. like it happened like at the beginning of the game and everybody's yeah. just like looking at each other just like, What? What is this? <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> and it's not the good news for the for for OKC though, because Coach change and extra spark from Minnesota. Yeah. But yeah, back to Portland. Yeah, it, it, that's, that's what we were saying is that the Thunder's next opponent is, is the Timberwolves at home. And the Thunder need to play well. Like They need to yeah. bounce back after this game. They cannot play like they did last night against the T-Wolves. The Wolves will take it to them uh, Tuesday night if they do that. But back to Portland. It's funny because the the Wizards had never won, not one time in Oklahoma City and they did that for the first time. And the Thunder beat Portland in Portland for the first time since February 2014. Uh and the Thunder were really great. I mean, if you're if you're looking for like proof or a reason to believe that this team could make a deep run in the playoffs, like I'll point to this game. Like they were just really good. George and Westbrook were awesome. I thought Ferguson, he only scored three points, but man, was he, he just completely suffocated CJ McCollum uh, to 10 points on 15 shots. And really, he after he fouled out, CJ got that mid-range jumper that was wide open. And I just thought to myself, man, he wouldn't have even got that if Ferguson yeah. was out there. I mean, he held him. I don't know. I don't have the number in front of me. For the amount of points that he had with Ferguson guarding him, but it's obviously in single digits, which is CJ McCollum is one of the best scoring guards in the NBA and yeah. Ferguson locked him down and he did the same thing with Bradley Beal last night. I know Brad did a lot more than CJ did, but it took him 27 shots to get 25 points. I mean, that's yeah. that's terrible efficiency. I mean, if, if Bradley Beal did that every night, everyone would make fun of him on Twitter. Uh, he doesn't do that. He's an efficient shooter. Ferguson is on his way, and I think that he needs to figure out some fouling issues, but he's on his way to being one of the elite defenders in the NBA and a guy that should compete to be on the all-defensive team. Yeah, I mean, it seems so. Like, uh, it's hard to think that these um, games, it's it's almost 40 games. Uh, I, I think it's 39, how many, how many 39? 39. Mm-hmm. 39, yeah. He played great defense for 39, minutes, for 39 games. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard, hardly a fluke. And so, um, uh, I think uh, the fouling issue, as I said, uh, already on Twitter, I think that that is also not just, but also uh, a referee issue. Like I remember vividly uh, the first season of Stephen Adams, who was extremely physical, mm-hmm. and even the second one uh, was very, very physical. And he, he got like a ton of foul calls. Like he he got every call as possible. And after two, three seasons, that tends to normalize. And if you like Terrence is not a dirty defender yet. 
like he's really trying to put his chest instead of instead of his uh, hands on players and as soon as the referees realize that and they will go through films uh, especially in the off season they will notice that and they will start officiating him differently because they they will have like time to to watch them to watch him and to see how he defends and so yeah i i'm not entirely worried about this uh falling things uh, thing i know that that is hurtful right now but not going forward and i also think that over the last few games, he's really uh, in rhythm in terms of three-point shooting. I felt like every shot he took was a good one with good timing, yep. no hesitation. Uh, and that that is a, the other part where I think Terrence could be really good. Uh, I don't know that if 38, the number that I used uh, on the question that they posed last uh, Friday, I, I don't know that 38 is a good number for him. But I would not be surprised if if he will end up being a 36-37 career three-point shooter, which is great for a good defender. Yeah, that would. <laughs> I mean, that would be the guy that we've been searching for for forever, right? Yeah, it's, and we complained a lot <laughs> about that draft pick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's if if he can shoot threes and play like this. I mean, he's he's probably a better fit for this team than OG is. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's, it's a different kind of defender. He's a he's a uh, he much can different defend. kind of defender. Yes. Yeah, he's less physical, and but but he he navigates screens like very uh, few players I've seen doing. Yes, like he's, are, he's almost like a, a copycat of of Robinson sometimes. He is. There's no question that he is because there's not, like you said, there's not anybody that can, and that's what he did with CJ all night. And I, I, I just took probably most of the second half just watching him on defense and not really watching mm-hmm. the ball, just watching him and the way that he gets around screens and the, he finds a way, he uses his feet so well, his quickness is unbelievable. Uh, he just, he's a guy that. He doesn't use his athleticism to like wow people, but he uses his athleticism to get around the court maybe better than just about anybody in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'm impressed, and and like draft science is really hard, and Terrence is a, is an example of that. There were no clues that he could use his athleticism like that. Mm-hmm. I watched like tons of films on him. And I was scared about the defensive awareness. And then you heard talking about last last season about how fast he was improving and you cannot see anything on the court. And then after a summer, like even like not a very long summer because they still had um, um, six games in the playoffs, mm-hmm. he completely changed the way it was, it was guarding people. Yeah. And in summer league, we didn't notice anything. Like he was bad in summer league. He's bad in summer like, league. He's bad the first four games of the of the season too. Not defensively. Uh, like he had a very good game against Clay Thompson. Yeah, that we all attribute to the fact that ah, yeah, Clay shoot the ball terribly, but it's just him. Which, like in part, is true because he's not having the best season of his career. But Terrence was there, uh, and so yeah, I mean, he, he really transformed the way he approached the game, mm-hmm. which is like incredible yeah 
and he's shooting 40% from the corners. Yeah, yeah, which is enough. I mean, I don't care if he takes, like, uh, above the break trees for mm-hmm. now. He's going to need to make those, too. Yeah, but he's going to. But it's, like... If, if, if they tell you that today you can have under Robertson 100% back defensively where he was plus 38% from the corners. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> you will take it. Well, <laughs> and he's shooting better. Answer, answer your own question because I think people will be interested to hear what you have to say. So, would you, you take 100% of Andre Robertson or would you take 38% three point shooting Terrence Ferguson? Um, like I think, in the end, I would go with turns and hear me out. I mean, the explanation was very close to the one that you gave. I know that Andre Robertson transforms this team defensively, but last season against the Utah Jets uh, with Abrines on the court plus Jeremy Grant, they held Donovan Mitchell to like normal being being a normal player and not mm-hmm. a superstar. This team. If you if you space the floor, if you, if you know that you have a guy in Terrence Ferguson that is shooting thirty eight percent from from three on a good volume, like four four sh- shots per game, for example, plus you have that kind of defensive level, which is not under Robertson again, uh, but very good. Like there are teams that don't have uh, a defensive player on the wing like Terrence Ferguson, and I can name like a few of them. So. I would take him because there is also the, the free throw issues, which you point out during the Friday episode, which is a great point. Because if you can play Robertson out of the game, then you don't have uh, a defender. And his value is not as good as, as it could be. And yeah. people like Carlisle use um, intentionally foul Stephen Adams. In a regular season game, like yeah. if I am like Mike D'Antoni, <laughs> I would do it from the beginning. Like, yeah, oh, I, I transform this game is a, in an awful game, but you cannot play him, and I won't let you guard James Harden. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, it it's interesting because he's still twenty years old, Ferguson, and I think that's something that he needs to improve is just his overall size. And I think that he, mm-hmm. you, you just, you just kind of get bigger as you get older, and so I think that's yeah. going to happen for him. Uh, and if he can perfect that shooting, then I, I think that you've got a really, you, you've got a guy that we've been searching for for a long time. I mean, he's, he's the three and D wing that we've always wanted, and he's, he's gonna. I just have the feeling that he's gonna get there in the next year or so, and. We, we were texting about this. You have Ferguson, Grant, and Adams all starting with this team. They're all young. They're all not in their prime yet. They're all, they all should be better next season too. And it's yeah. so hard. I think that we've been conditioned as Thunder fans to just think about this one season and that it's just, we just grab and claw onto this one season. And if things don't go well, just like, Oh no, like trade for somebody like trade this guy. Like, what are we doing? It's like, okay, listen, like we have this team for a little while. Like just, just take a breath. And this team will be better next season. 
just by virtue of the improvement that the young guys will make. And then the roster moves they can make and, you know, maybe getting a better backup four. And I mean, there's a lot of things that they can do and they have time to do. Like, this is not the a one-off season here because we've had, like, 2016 was a, was a one-off season because you had Kevin Durant leaving. 2017, one-off season. You had the MVP season. You had, like, this new young team that eventually they sold parts for Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. Then you had your third one-off season, and now we're here today where it's just like that's how it's felt for three years. It was just that... We need to do it now. Like whatever we have, like do it now. And I and I there is some urgency still because it's not like Paul George and Russell Westbrook are super young, but those guys still have time. Like I'm not I'm not concerned about them moving forward. Uh, and they've got time for these guys to develop a little bit. And when if Ferguson, you know, when he's 21, 22 years old, that's so crazy young, but he's going to be really, really good. I think Jeremy Grant is going to get better. Grant shot the three ball good last night. Um, I, I just think if those guys can continue to improve, you know, this team will improve. And they don't necessarily need to make roster moves to kind of move closer to contention uh, in the coming years. But they, they do, I mean, Patterson was back to missing really badly from the corners. Do you know what he's shooting from the corners this season? No. Tell me. 29%. Oh, well. Oh, well. I mean, that's really bad. You know you know what Russell's shooting from the corners this season? No. 60%. 60? 60. Like 6-0? Six, 6-0. Zero? Six, zero. How, how many attempts? Like four? I, I don't have the attempts. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 3%. <laughs> the of four, his, it, cannot, it cannot be. like 3% sorry. of his shots. Of his total shots, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you that. So maybe maybe it's really six out of ten. Yeah, <laughs> like it really like could be. Like that's that could be legitimate, but that's just it's a hilarious number. Nader shooting sixty six percent from the corners. Yeah, I mean, OKC should generate more corner trees. Period. Like, yeah, they need to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we can go back to the Portland game a little bit and touch yeah. on just how incredible it was. I thought Nerlens, I think is a big part of the storyline because he, he stripped Damian Lillard out on the perimeter twice in a pretty crucial part of the game where the Thunder really weren't generating very many good looks on the offensive end and just getting those fast break points was just massive for them. Yeah. Yeah, it was Um, like, Russ had a very good uh, layup out of that, or dunk it, and, and but Schroeder had some points uh, after one of those um, steals from the line. Um, this point uh, was made by by, Kerry, by Eric Korn, who said like Schroeder had like nothing going, mm-hmm. and after those free throws, he had a very good burst that pushed the Thunder uh, on the lead like by seven, I think. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that was a moment of the game where the second unit changed the flow. Uh, of the of the game, and they really uh, gave OKC. They put OKC in position to win that one. And yeah, Noel can be that guy. And we had like uh, a ton of discussion: uh, how can we retain him? I I have no idea if if they can, and but if they could somehow, they should. Because even if it's not like a night in and night out thing, because like last night he wasn't that player, he didn't have that energy, uh, he can. And uh, in a playoff series, if you get the minimum guy or a, like, say, B 
below um, six million guy who gives you gives you a spark in two games out of six. That is an incredible thing to thing to have. Mm-hmm. And I thought that because of the game that Noel had and and because of other stuff going on, we didn't spoke enough about Paul George. He was incredible. He was <laughs> Kevin Durant like important. Mm-hmm. I. I I'm really amazed about this season that Paul George is having. And like yesterday, I did a very ill-advised thing, which is listen again to Dunk Don and on the oh, no. like the oh yeah yeah I did. And like the 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 fact that Paul George is a good defensive player, but not good enough because he, they have good defensive players around him, while. James Harden is clearly an MVP candidate just because he doesn't have any teammates around him. It's it's like weird. Like mm-hmm. they, they have they are having a great season, both of them. One of the on the offensive end, the other one on both ends. And I don't know why there is no national love for Paul George, who is having like an amazing season. Mm-hmm. There are no players that are good as good as him on both sides in this season. Uh, I know that yeah. there is Kawhi, like. Let let PG play like every game, but back to backs. Yeah, just rest him uh, every every now and then, and then we'll see how how much energy he has. And so, yeah, I I think he's having a great great season, and in Portland, he was showcasing that at the best level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a weird bias there, and I don't quite understand it. Uh, but people just don't quite believe in Paul George that this is real. And I've heard Zach Harper say this like he's played well in the first half of seasons before, and then he's dropped off in the second half of seasons. I don't. I'm not going to call him MVP because I don't believe that he's going to play well moving forward. I was like, okay, that's weird logic. <laughs> like, I think you can only use the information for an MVP on one season, the season that we're in, and what they've done, and. He's just using, he's just predicting the fall off of Paul George. And I, I don't know if that's how other people are thinking about it. Uh, but really, you're right that there's, name me a better two way wing from this season. Like, I just don't think there is yeah. one. Yeah, again, you can say Kawhi, uh, you can say Janis, but th- you, you can't say PG in the same stratosphere of those two. In yes. terms of being a two-way player, he's right there. And yeah, yeah, I think so. And Yanis is having a great season. Is rightfully so the leading candidate for the MVP because his team is great and he's dismantling every other team uh, that stands on their way. Um, but apart from that, you can't say really. Yeah, well, like LeBron is is clearly a better player, so he's ahead in the MVP conversation. Like, Paul George has a plus 18 in terms of of on-off numbers. Like, plus 18. Ross in the MVP season was a dead number. Like, probably less than that. He he has been great. And OKC with him is an awesome team. Without him is a good team. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe like with uh, like without him and without Russ is a terrible team, um, but the like the difference of the um, say the on-off numbers of PG uh, compared to Russ this season is is good enough where you can pinpoint to, you can point to Paul George to see why OKC is succeeding at this level. Yeah, and and yeah, I don't know why there is no love 
and uh, to me it's really nonsensical but you know we are biased as well so yeah who well, cares it's, it's funny. in the end it's funny Harden is having the Russell Westbrook MVP season just in Houston yeah like that's yeah. what's that's what's happening right now is that he is doing everything for his team he's doing everything and for whatever reason I mean Russell did get voted the MVP but it seemed it listening to the conversation it's just almost a miracle that it happened because I yeah yeah it was, it was I will find very few people that say and maybe it's just the loud voices that we're hearing and then we're not hearing a majority but the voices that we hear most people say yeah there's there, he shouldn't have won it like that that was ridiculous that you know Russell Westbrook won the MVP that season yeah yeah uh, yeah to be fair to Nate and Danny they were on the Russell Westbrook train though. yeah they were that's so true uh. But that's what Harden's doing this season. Yeah, and he's been really yeah. good. I mean, he's he's been really awesome, and does he does deserve credit for what he's done over the past couple of weeks? Oh, I, sure. I don't know that he can sustain this. I mean, I just don't know how how you do that over the course of an entire season. Uh, because I mean, Russell was worn out by the playoffs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And. Oh, could yeah. not carry the Thunder. They, they were out in five games because he couldn't carry them. And unless Houston makes a big move, I don't know what that big move is, but maybe they'll Having offer... Chris Paul back at maybe 60% of what he was? Yeah. Like, that could be a, a... Like, I don't know. I mean, James is having a great season. And I, I think that one of the issues we had with this season going forward was... It's the same old story. Golden State will win a ton, and we'll see um, a very bad regular season, blah, blah, blah. And instead, because of guys like James Harden, Paul George, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and other guys that are, like, they, we are having one of the greatest regular seasons in, in a while, I would mm-hmm. say. There is no certainty. Um, just the Bucks that will probably end up being the first seed in the West. But maybe Toronto will end up having a very good um, week or two and they can close the gap. I don't know. I feel like this is Toronto a great has MVP. a better record right now. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. They're 30 and 12, and Milwaukee's 27 11. Oh, okay. So yeah, well, the then, win percentage then it's, is a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's even better then. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just a great regular season, and I think. And you have to appreciate all of them. But Paul George is one of them, for yeah. sure. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, the Thunder are 25 and 14. Uh, they are only behind Golden State, who's 26 and 14, and the Denver Nuggets that are 26 and 11. That's, that's what's crazy is that at this point in the season that everybody has lost at least 11 games. Everybody. Which is pretty, yeah. it's pretty rare for... Yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know when the last time that was that everybody had lost eleven games by January seventh. Um, it's it's pretty rare, and it's it's kind of crazy that that is the case. Uh, you look at the West standings right now: Denver sits at one, uh, Golden State two, Thunder three, Clippers are in fourth. They've won two in a row. Uh, the Houston Rockets are fifth. Uh, San Antonio 6th, Portland 7th, and the Lakers 8th. So, and then you have Utah sitting right there at 9th. They're 
they're at 500. They're 20 and 20 right now. And then it kind of feels like most everybody below them is is probably not really in the playoff hunt. But one of these teams could surprise. You could see Minnesota's got talent. They have the talent to make a little run. Oh, more bells. Uh, Sacramento, <laughs> I don't know that I believe in them. They have a negative point differential. That seems right. Uh, Memphis, yeah. I don't really believe in them, even though they traded for Justin Holiday. Uh, Dallas, I really like this Dallas team. Like It wouldn't surprise me if they went on a run. They've lost two in a row, but it wouldn't surprise me if they went on a run. And then also the Pelicans. The Pelicans have a plus 1.6 uh, point differential. They're, they're so unlucky. They're, so four, unlucky. they're 14th in the West, but they could, I mean, on, if they rip off six in a row, like you, they could be in the playoff picture too. Yeah. So to me, I, I think so that tight. I think that the Pelicans, Dallas, Utah, to me are like the three teams I think could squeeze in to the playoffs. And then you know who knows? I mean, I don't know when LeBron will return, uh, but this Lakers team is not good without him. Like I don't know. I don't even know who I would say is the best of their young guys, but they've all been completely overhyped. And it's just because it says Lakers across their chest. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I, I think that no teams would want to have, um, to be seated against the Lakers, uh, because of LeBron. But I mean, you're right. The supporting cast is not good. And these games have shown how, how, how steep uh, the difference is between the drop off is between when LeBron plays and when LeBron doesn't. And but I don't think they will be the same team that is now uh, by the end of the regular season. I I I firmly believe that Palinka will do something with this team. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's becoming more of a question to me what that could even be this year because I don't know who who is selling off their good talent to take back an asset at this point. Like I, I, I'm sure someone will emerge, but I don't know who that is. I mean, I yeah, maybe not now. I don't know what yeah. bad teams... Like, Do you want any of the Cavaliers? Like, that's eh, probably not. Uh, yeah, get back to JR. You can give, LeBron. <laughs> bring, bring in JR. And, <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, uh, Phoenix, like, I don't think Phoenix has anything else now that they traded Trevor Ariza. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't know that the Wizards are going to trade anybody. Like I just. I don't know if they will. And maybe that's the team that you look at because maybe they could trade Ariza again. They could trade Jeff Green. They could trade Otto Porter. Like, and I don't think the the Lakers aren't going to trade for Otto Porter. Like that's not going to happen. Uh, well, it would be like if they do, it's a desperate trade, and they are not desperate right, right. now. Right. Right. Uh, and. I thought that when they acquired or when they signed all those guys to those one year deals, I thought, oh yeah, those are that's salary filler for to trade for whoever they want at that point. And you trade one of your young guys and you trade your salary filler that you've gotten in Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, uh, Michael Beasley, guys like that. But I just don't know who's available. I mean, like Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. was a guy that you're like, okay, like maybe they could go get him. Uh, and like now, it's just like I don't know. Like I don't know who that is. I don't know what. There's not really any stars that are looking to be moved at this point. 
Um, everybody looks at Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis isn't going anywhere for a little while. The Pelicans are not going to trade him. He's not an expiring contract. They have him under contract next season. They're not going to trade him right now. Uh, and if I'm the Pelicans, I said this on Friday, I just wouldn't I wouldn't even take a look at that Lakers package. I don't think it's good enough. Um, no, Davis, no, you're right. Any of those young guys are very good. And that's it kind of sucks for the Lakers because this would have been a good point in the season for them to to look good and they got demolished by the Timberwolves last night. And if yeah. like, if those young guys were looking good, if uh you know Brandon Ingram could take over games and if they that would help this that would help so much with the trade market, with this team's development, with the, with the way they're going to look in the playoffs, but you know Josh Hart has not been as good as advertised. Same with Ingram. Uh, Lonzo Ball is afraid to shoot free throws and afraid to get to the to uh, get to the rim because of it. Uh, it was it, they're kind of a, a mess and they don't really they don't yeah. fit well together. That just that I think Kuzma is probably the best of them and he's hurt right now. Yeah, yeah, the picture is not good for the Lakers, but I mean. It's also uh, the thing where you play with LeBron and you you are used to some some of the stuff that he does. Yeah. And when he's not on the court, you lose everything. It yeah. was like Russ two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. And Russ is off. Nothing is working because you are used to having Russ take care of everything, com- uh, included your wide open shots. Mm-hmm. This is something that is not spoken enough. I think when a player is accustomed to get the ball without having to do anything because Russ can give the ball to you wherever you are. Like, you're not forced to do anything. And mm-hmm. I think that part of this is also what PG, what uh, Russ means by I want to keep PG aggressive. Um, I think that this translates to I want PG to create more mm-hmm. for himself and for others and not just having me passing in the ball like every time. Right. And I don't know if that is true, but I, I think that is a, a, a big part on on why teams with a one-man show, they can go down pretty fast when that man is not out there. Mm-hmm. And like, imagine Houston without James Harden for a week. Like, they will lose everything probably. Everything. Even with Chris Paul. Um, yeah. Maybe not if Chris, like, somehow reinvent himself to be, like, the player he was at the beginning of last season. But uh, I don't know. I mean, and that's why I, I I don't want to rush in to evaluate the talent that the Lakers have. Because LeBron is so polarizing that will make something shine and will take something away from those guys. But you're right. Uh, in the end, the trade value will not be... Um, as good as maybe even last season, this summer probably, the, the past summer probably, mm-hmm. those two players uh, had like a higher value in terms of um, trade. And that's why, and uh, I'm closing with this, that's why I think that you need always to think about your assets as um, where they came from and how much value they had they, they increased or um, how much lower they are compared to where, where, where you took them mm-hmm. because there is a time where you should trade well, you can trade those assets and you don't because you 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 hold to them too much and there's a time where you really want to trade them and they have no value uh, whatsoever so um, that's why I mean I'm always uh, conservative in terms of saying well 
they they are not going to trade Diallo. I don't know. Like or or even Anthony Davis. I don't know. Like if the Mavs or the Sixers come to your door and say, Well, take my best assets and give me Anthony Davis. Do you say no? Like you have no guarantee that yeah. in two months it will say, I'm out of here. Mm. And then you get DeMar DeRozan instead of a great package. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's extremely hard to to, to handle this kind of of, of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's <laughs> They're really tough decisions. I'm glad that I don't have to make them. I just get to make fun of the people that make them. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening to today's show. You got to follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barra. Follow his project at chart underscore side. He always has great tweets right after the game and during the games. If he's watching, uh, he's a great follow. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow our podcast at down to dunk. Uh, right now, you can go get our I Don't Believe in Small Markets Russell Westbrook shirt. If you don't know where that came from, so Russell Westbrook was answering questions in L.A. the other day. And one of the reporters uh, from Los Angeles asked him about playing in a small market. Like he and Paul George, they decided to stay and play in a small market. And he kind of interrupted him and told them, I don't believe in small markets. And we're like, that is just the greatest thing. He's great. Like, <laughs> He's great. Uh, so you can go to downtodunk.bigcartel.com and pre-order that now. We have two versions of it. One that's in like an orange and then another one that's in blue. So go take a look at those today. Also, we are looking for more sponsors. So if you have a business or you know of somebody that has a business that would benefit from our sponsorship, um, that would be wonderful. We have a, a really strong following. Our our listeners uh, are very passionate and they support our, our sponsors uh, fervently. So if you're looking for a way to boost your business in 2019, uh, come advertise with Down to Dunk. I hope you guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.